0: Today's show is being brought to you by contributors at Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash the education game to support the show and thanks. Hey gamers, this is Matt and today we've got a great interview, one that continues our efforts to help you learn how to become your child's head coach. Now remember, it is your job to actively build and execute your child's learning plan. Why? Because your child's school can't do it. They won't do it. School was built for a completely different time, a time when grades were more important than actual learning, when what you knew mattered, but not what you could do with what you know. That matters now. So these podcasts are meant to create nausea in the listeners, particularly the parents who watch their child take state-mandated tests and assignments. You should feel nauseous because that means your child's school is preparing you for 1985 and not 2035, where curiosity, creativity, problem solving, and character are gonna matter so much more than ever before. So with that happy introduction, (laughs) let's get into our podcast. This is Matt with The Education Game. Welcome to another edition of The Education Game. Gamers, got another uh, fun conversation today. Today we have Philip Blessed, who is a uh, actually a family friend, but a young man who I learned a lot from his mom, uh, who has really shepherded his education. And uh, also I have started to learn a lot from him because he has a ton of interests, some interests that are atypical, but as you'll see in the conversation, um, families and parents who are able to support and feed a child's learning—you don't, you don't know where it's going to go. Um, and so, let me bring on Philip. Uh, let's see, Philip. Hey, welcome, man. Hey, welcome David to the education
1: Barnes. game. You can. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this show, you can call me Matt, but outside right. of the show, you got to call me Mr. Barnes. All right. You have a first name. Okay. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> it's not I, Mister. I, I, yeah okay oh my gosh okay philip you are how old i am 17 years old currently. 17 years old that's crazy um it's crazy because i remember you was just a, as a little pup uh yeah like fifth grade yeah something like that and so uh so philip and i got to know each other our kids were going to school for a while uh you guys swam on the swim team together for a while too if I that is correct yeah. yes
1: yeah. um uh, Ben totally destroyed me every single time. It was, it was very, it was very impressive, but also very humbling at the same time.
0: Well, you know, we all have things that we do well. So Philip, let me give, let me ask you to kind of give a bit of your educational journey. Cause this is a question I ask everybody on the show, even, even adults who are kind of along in the tooth, so to speak, tell us a little bit about your educational journey and then I'll probably interrupt you to, you know, ask probing questions associated with that. Yeah. So, um. I've kind of had
1: you know, uh, experience-wise with school. I've d- I've kind of had a bit of everything. So I've been in five-day-a-week schools. I've been in homeschooled completely. I have um, done a mix of both as a classical hybrid. So I've been in public school, private school, and um, homeschool. So, yeah. um, just looking at so just quickly, briefly, lower school. I have went to a private five-day-a-week school, and then um, in fifth grade, I transitioned over to Trinity Classical School, which mm-hmm. is a classical hybrid um, where on Mondays and Wednesdays we went to campus and had teachers there but then on Tuesdays Thursdays and Fridays three days a week I had a co-teacher and that would be my mother and so that's kind of how she played a really uh, a large role in my education um, during middle school yeah we called just, logic
0: school yeah let me interrupt real quick because the the language of your mom was viewed and described by the school as the co-teacher. Yeah. That's something this is that, correct. yeah, that's something again, I think that language is really important to, to remind the parent that, hey, you're you're in this thing. So so that was Absolutely. up to uh, logic, no, that was rhetoric school. Yeah,
1: uh, I did it from fifth to ninth grade, so up to my freshman year in high school. Okay. And so just uh, looking a little bit more in depth into the homeschooling, so what they did is they gave us a lesson plan. And so on that lesson plan is like a checklist of homework. And so um, what I think was really key, especially um, into high school and my transition into high school was the fact that um in fifth grade it was intensive you know co-teacher participation um it was very intensive but you slowly as you got better and as you trained more in this um i became more and more independent and learned mm-hmm. to s- self-teach more and more and so Ooh. self-learning was a huge thing When I started transitioning over to what would uh, eventually be dual credit in tenth and eleventh grade.
0: All right, let me pause you again. Let me pause you again because that point you made just briefly about the importance of independent self learning—that I tell you—that is that is a critical element of a child's development. And you learned in middle school how to complete assignments that were given without anybody looking over your shoulder, and then you learned how to direct your own instruction after that is that what came next
1: yeah um so in eighth and ninth grade it was completely it was completely just um three days a week i just do it by myself you know occasional questions here and there but um really it definitely gave me a ton of confidence and um really the abilities i needed to be able to progress into high school doing what i was doing
0: yeah well and another thing real quick um most parents and I've done this I've asked parents like okay so you have a 13-year-old do you think you could train your 13-year-old to handle their homework and handle their assignments on their own a lot of parents will say no my son is not capable I would argue and I tried to argue and you're I think proof of it my kids many other kids are proof of it if there's a supportive structure that builds the skill set the child will eventually be able to learn on their own so you can give them their assignment uh yeah. they don't have to go into a building they can get their assignment and they can do it without somebody standing over the shoulder and that creates a ton of freedom for the parents so anyway that is a really important element i wanted to make sure we didn't miss that so now Definitely. you're in high school so you must have gone to a big building with thousands of other uh 14 and 15 year olds <laughs> uh, right
1: uh, not quite not quite actually so um after my freshman year which was at trinity classes with gold school i transitioned to um full on homeschooling. But really it was just um it's kind of a loophole uh, just to be able to do dual credit at Houston Community College, my local community college full time. Yeah. Um and so basically uh through that I was able to um just do full time uh college credit instead of having to um do high school and if I wanted to, you know, do dual credit as well, then it would be on top of my full load as a high
0: schooler yeah yeah so again so in most educational structures when you get to high school there's all this curriculum that you've got to do and then after you're done with that then you can maybe take a few college courses you just completely bypassed that process and went straight to community college i wouldn't say it's a loophole frankly i would say you know it's a it's an opportunity for folks who uh who are ready to do that Absolutely. I
1: agree. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as a, how do I say this? Like, sorry, I totally just totally just messed up. Uh, it's all so good. I, went, I, I faked, I faked the train of thought. That's what just happened there.
0: <laughs> well, let me pick it up then. Let me pick up the train of thought. Because uh, when you got into high school, I'm sorry, when you got into community college and were taking classes there, um, what was that like? I mean, you're sitting in classes with... Yeah people four or five years older than you right
1: yes right and so you know interesting i think um because i was already hanging out um you know with my parents like older friends and mm-hmm. so um and well <laughs> not to say you're oh mr barnes but yeah um but also like from church and stuff and so i think i i am was old. already <laughs> yeah i'm old yeah <laughs> but you don't look too not too shabby thank you um, but... thank you
0: so you're but you're hanging. So you got comfortable hanging out yeah. with kids of different, people of different ages. Right.
1: Absolutely. And so social, you know, the social aspect, you know, I was also primed sort of already being 60 percent homeschooled, you know, already like, you know, having less um, social um, exposure. Um, it kind of made that transition easier. But I also, um, you know, whenever you're thinking about, you know, what are you trading off whenever you're doing full time homeschooling and then also dual credit. Uh, with Houston Community College, you know, some parents might be like, "Oh, I want my parent, my children to have the high school experience," quote unquote. Mm. But um, I think I was I was really lucky because you know, as you know, college students are a little bit more low key, um, you know, developed and I think more down to earth. So I was really happy to be exposed to that. Mm. As well as at a community college, you know, you hear a lot of different people from different um, you know different backgrounds sure. you know anybody from their 60s to somebody in, in their 20s right and so it was really it was really great to um meet those people um hear about their backgrounds how they um came to be at hcc so yeah
0: so that's interesting because i was just talking the other day about um so at our church we're, we're having some transitions with the uh, children's church and the idea of trying to integrate kids families, and other members of the church so that there's actually relationship across generations. Um, oldest, you know, member of our church mm-hmm. having a, a, a relationship, a friend relationship with a seven-year-old or a 12-year-old. That's something that we're actually moving towards. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're describing. You're in classes as a 14. You're at 14? You at 14? Oh, 15. 15. I started at 15. Okay. Yeah. So you're 15 years old and you're in classes with people from 20 to... Sixty, as you said, did they did they look at you funny? Did they treat you like a child? Did they like how did that work? So it's funny. Um, I think a
1: lot of people usually thought I was older than um, I than I actually was. So usually, because you carry yourself,
0: you carry yourself older. Yeah,
1: yeah, and also the context. So people were like. Is that? Of course not, because, you know, that wouldn't make sense. So <laughs> right. there's like, you know, sometimes it is funny. Sometimes, you know, a certain class, it would be like right off the bat, like after one or two weeks, people would figure out. But sometimes it would be like mid-semester. And so <laughs> then I remember... This kid is once, 15? It was really funny. <laughs> um, My gosh, yeah. I remember I had like a biology professor. It was probably like the fourth or... Oh, no, it was actually like the sixth or seventh week. And so mid-class um something just didn't add up i don't remember exactly what it was but she was like wait a second that doesn't how old are you and i was like 15 and then she's like she was such an amazing teacher she was like you know you know what i was doing at 15 it wasn't exactly this but you know
0: so all right so now let's back up again for the parents listening i want you to back up and i want you to hear yeah. some of what philip has just described he's talked about a transition between you know, when he was in fifth grade to the time he's in ninth grade, or I guess the equivalent of 10th grade, that four mm-hmm. year or so period of time, he transitioned from being someone who only was able to follow the instructions of the teacher and to wait, essentially wait for assignments to be given, wait for the test to be told what's going to be on the test, et cetera, to in the middle school years, learning how to handle that himself And then in a high school environment, now he just completely, again, jumped over, leapfrogged over a traditional high school and now is interacting as a peer with adults uh, in a high school environment. And again, your experience of, I think it's really important that you mentioned this idea of trading off. You are trading Mm -hmm. off something uh, that's the traditional high school experience. But that trade off means you get four years of time, not to mention you now also have how many, how many college credits do you have, Philip? Um, at this time, a little bit, I think mid seventies. So Um, you're talking, you just traded six years, right? To get to 70, uh, mm -hmm. uh, credits. You would have had to yeah. go through a traditional four-year school and then two Absolutely. years of undergrad to get to 60 or 70 credits. That yeah. is a trade-off that I'm willing to take every time. Absolutely, Wow. Absolutely. I was
1: just thinking about it um, just recently because I was like, uh, you know, um, some of my um, old classmates, they were like on a trip. And I was like, man, I wish, you know, I was like, this is what I'm missing out on. But then I thought about it and I thought to myself, you know. It was you know if I had to choose between you know a trip to, with you know my friend with you know my old friends and um you know a fifty percent off coupon um for college as well as you know doing it half the time um yeah. i would i would definitely choose that
0: so that's another great point i I didn't even you know think about that you you're saving tens of thousands of dollars gosh you are talking yeah. i mean depends on it depends on what school you end up going to Absolutely. but you know, it's hard to go to college now for $20,000. Um, and so you now have just shaved off two years of your college experience and four years of your high school experience. And and I'm willing to bet that those professors at the university or at uh, Houston Community College were like, this kid, I, I want to write a letter of recommendation for this kid. It was, they were so kind. Yeah, I, I got like four, <laughs> like several,
1: um, yeah, recommendation letters. It was really great. and so that helped so much with the um with the college admission process which was you know something that um kind of it was kind of funny because uh just going to like uh, when i figured out that i was going to graduate a year um i had i didn't realize this until about the towards the end of my uh junior year Hmm. and i was like oh no and the college admissions process it usually you usually start it um basically in like the fall winter slash winter and so of course all the deadlines had passed and so i was like oh no i could have gone a year early but then (laughs) with um with i realized with covid then i applied for fall 2020 and so this was kind of a weird interim um summer where i was applying for these colleges um u of h hbu and i was really thankful to get into those colleges however because of um what I saw is a lack of value, uh, yes. a decrease in value due to um, COVID-19, as well as, um, you know, I saw, you know, 12th grade is an opportunity to get more college credits as well as to develop more. Mm. And so I figured might as well just um, wait it out. Yeah. And so that's what I did.
0: So there's no rush, right? There's there's no hurry. Yeah. Um yeah, that's that's a that's a really great place to be. I mean, if it weren't for COVID, maybe you had maybe you could have traveled. Maybe you know, I don't know, domestically or internationally. Who knows? Um, so okay, so Philip, when we come back, I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to unpack the other side of Philip, that is not academic. It's about the things that he's passionate about and how over time those things actually weaved together in a really, really interesting way. So uh, we'll be back in a moment. This is The Education Game. Okay, welcome back to The Education Game. Super, super excited. We have Philip Blessed here, uh, a family friend and a young man who I've come to really, really respect for a variety of reasons. And, and you heard in our last segment, uh, he talked about his educational journey and how unusual it was and how much money he, he has saved and how much time he has saved and how seemingly unstressed he is about kind of the future because he's got he's sitting in the catbird seat. Uh, now though I want to kind of go back in time because there's been something that Philip was interested in for a long time and that is magic. So can you give me now your magic uh journey uh and and I don't know if you're able to do any uh yeah. any, any um uh what are they called um tricks? tricks? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so go ahead and give wow. us the experience. Like what when did you yeah. first find yourself interested in in magic? When did you, and then when did you first realize that it was a passion?
1: Absolutely, so um, my beginning, the first time I ever saw someone do a magic trick for me in person was towards the end of eighth grade, actually, and so um, a fellow up here, um, he was like two grades older than me, showed me uh, just a card trick, and so I I was really captured, and um, (laughs) yeah, it was just, you know, and reflecting on it, I'm thinking he probably I can think about the methods that he probably used and you know um but the moment it's really it's not about that and I, I'm really you know um I'm I'm really happy uh <laughs> that he did show me that because it's been it's become a passion um it's it's to progress into an obsession really um <laughs> uh as my mother will definitely Yes, you actually, your parents will, will definitely, definitely tell you. How, you, how how
0: absolutely. old were you how old were you when that when that hit yeah, I think uh,
1: roughly 13. I was turn 12 turning 13. So Okay,
0: so then that's when you started to, to research it. How did you go about researching magic? How did you go about learning about it, et cetera?
1: Yeah, so it, it really started on YouTube and, you know, just the Internet, just to search card trick. And then um, from there, um, you know, I kind of learned about um So there's, you know, like a basis that you you build, but um, they say that magic is one of the only talents that you can buy at a store, and to an extent, that is true. Mm. Um, However, what I went on to learn and what I went on to develop and even create my own effects, um, I started to learn, you know, the stuff that, you know, takes years to learn. And so that, um, well, it's hard to explain the terminology, but like card springs or cardistry, um, with a, as well as advanced sleight of hand and then um, other material um, that's kind of like the inner workings and the stuff that you don't, that's behind the curtain um, yeah. for magic.
0: So. Yeah, and so you learned all this on your own on the internet and yeah. YouTube, etc.
1: And then it transitioned to books um, and then most, most of the material comes from um, magic books.
0: Okay, so, yeah. so again I want to, for the parents listening, I, if you listen to the first segment I want you to realize that now this is a 13, 14 year old Philip and he was able to apply the independent learnings, uh, learning skills that he had developed in middle school um, towards his passion. So he knew he wanted to get better. He had to problem solve how to do that. He had to research how to do that. He had to practice how to do that. He had to, uh, you know, then go out and find books and start reading because. There's only so much you can get on YouTube at some point, you got to go deeper. And so this is a Philip, this is a conversation that I I keep having with parents that if you have, if you're able to help your child find their passion, it will lead to all sorts of reading. Eventually, you can't do anything in detail. uh, uh, I mean, it's in like become an expert in anything until you actually start to study it like a profession. So uh, when did you, when did you have your first performance, Philip? So I think my first
1: um, well, casual performances. um, I went throughout um, from probably like the third or fourth week of learning this material to now. um, Of course, uh, with the exception of COVID. Um, So then that turned into that translated to virtual performances. Um, But I think the first, the first um, slightly slightly more formal was probably um, I had been in it for a while actually, but I performed at a summer camp for 100, a, a 110 people on stage. And so that was a lot of fun. It was, That's yeah, fantastic. they were super nice. Yeah. It was really fun. And so um, that was probably my first time on stage uh, performing. And then I also did it for, like, a church gala. Um, it was – and so that was just a um, – I had, like, a table at the front. There was, you know, two, 300 people there. But um, they would, like, come up if they wanted to be entertained. And so I was there. Yeah. Um, that was – Fun, Um, definitely um, learned a lot from that as well
0: okay so um, and we talked about a year ago about the places that I'm like oh Philip if if it weren't for COVID man I'd love to introduce you to friends that are organizing conferences Uh, so for the folks out there listening who uh, attend conferences or help to schedule conferences please contact me so I can put you in touch with Philip because I tell you what he would be a fantastic presenter at an educational conference he would also be a fantastic kind of uh sideline where you know he's in the lobby or someplace entertaining people he's really good yeah. he's 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 mystified me many times uh and i threatened him thank you to tell me to <laughs> tell me what actually happened and he didn't so he's he's actually very good okay so philip now um let's take another quick break and then when we come back parents what we're gonna do is we're gonna take this issue of his passion the thing that he just Loved and has loved since he was 13 years old and 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 invested a ton of his own time and we're gonna now start to merge it with his academic preparation and and in a way that is quite amazing and so stay tuned more from the education game in a moment. Okay we're back with the education game this is our last segment and Philip you're gonna have to like hit the home run now right we're gonna have to in this last segment help parents understand what can happen. When you give child encouragement, or frankly let them go on their own to to build their own skill set, when you also help a, parent, a child learn how to learn on their own, um, and then how this kind of how this spins off in ways that we can't imagine. So there was a conversation we had I don't know, a year or two ago about um, magic and deception. Could you help us understand sure. about your curiosities about that? Yes.
1: Looking at magic, uh, there's a certain overlap with uh, psych- fields such as psychology and um, specifically uh, regarding deception. So, I've heard people, uh, even some people, call uh, magicians the first psychologists, um, which I think may be giving them a little bit too much credit. <laughs> However, because um, we were basically using psychological applications, but just we didn't know it. So, it, it was, uh, I, I mean, know. it wasn't, it was just like a byproduct. Um, uh, through method and so um talking about deception in particular um you know there are certain um cognitive biases that as well as um discrepancies that um o- optical uh, discrepancies that we, we just inherently have that we use to make reality cohesive mm-hmm. um and so magicians um especially like good ones especially as well as illusionist specifically um, they, you know, utilize those and kind of take, a, take advantage of those to um, create effects um, of something that seems to be impossible. Right. So, trying to like kind of tread on like the lines of... Um, like imagine like a bridge and on one side's like reality and, um, and on the other side's fantasy and trying and like destroy that bridge and make you question what side of the... What side <laughs> you're on. So. I love
0: that imagery, dude. Uh, okay, so um, this question about deception then led you to start asking questions about psychology and then eventually behavioral economics, right? That's correct, Explain, Explain to our audience what behavioral economics is. Yeah, so
1: behavioral economics, um, the most cynical view of it is repackaged psychology by economists to present to the corporate world. for like to like because you know they trust economists more than they trust psychologists. That's the most cynical view. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that, but I also don't think it's this revolutionary field because it's based on you know hundreds of years of psych of psychology. Yeah. Uh, so basically, it's applied psychology to the field of economics. And so the reason why I like that is because you know um, looking for a career, I'm um, you know prospectively um, that would you know be able to both you know potentially you know. Feed in the future of a family, and uh, I also want to simultaneously be able to make an impact. Um, hopefully, um, you know a large scale impact. And I thought, you know, economics—that's you know a field that this definitely applies to. And so, yeah. um, some of the famous examples of behavioral economics being applied um, present that. So, for example, um, talking about well, actually, let's go small scale first. So, like one that um, comes to mind is of how it's applied with. So this is a small thing, um, not exactly for necessarily the benefit of the world, but, you know, for the profit for the bottom line. Um, so basically, whenever you're buying a car, um, you have to, in order to um, like get leather seats, etc., usually you'd have to um, press on that option or, you know, ask for it. And so it's a, a bit of a barrier because humans tend to have a um, – tend to follow the line of the path of least resistance and so instead of having you physically having to add the leather seats they preset it a default to um have that as the the primary default and so that way you are significantly more likely to buy those leather seats and those options and so that is utilizing uh actually called choice architecture and if you want to look into that more there's a book called uh nudge by richard thaler he's a uh, excuse me yeah he won um, the Nobel Prize for e- in, um, for economics uh, mm. just like one or two years ago
0: mm. so yeah okay so uh, the book that actually blew my mind around yeah. behavioral economics was it's called thinking fast and slow by uh, yes, Daniel, Kahneman. Daniel Kahneman right another Nobel Prize winning uh, economist yeah. and so what Philip has done is he's taken his passion and he's gotten so deep in his passion that he started to see things that normal folks don't see when they're thinking about magic they think of, mm-hmm. i i think about magic as just like you know a sleight of hand or uh, you know yeah. or, or or whatever something kind of mi- uh, mindless but you got to a deeper level mm-hmm. where you're going i want to understand how it is that i can do these things consistently and set dece- and deceive people not in a negative way just in a fun way uh now yeah. to your point Uh, marketers are experts at Mm. deceiving for their own financial gain and that's a whole other conversation but um, your curiosity about magic led you to be interested in in behavioral economics and so tell me now about some of the coursework you're taking to go deeper into that area if you are doing so.
1: Absolutely, so currently um, I'm in the second semester of my senior year and so I am taking behavioral economics as a homeschooler Homeschooling course. So, in other words, um, my mother and I looked at um, the lesson plans and the syllabus. Excuse me um, for uh, schools like Columbia uni- uh, University, um, a bunch of like Ivy Leagues, as well as other universities, because it's literally out there and right. you know to the for to the public, which is insane when you think about how much you had to pay for access to the <laughs> right, curriculum. Right. <laughs> um, so you know, it's what a hack. But basically, uh, I. I've been um, doing some of that. So I've been reading Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, as well as um, some other books. Um, That has been the main one. Um, Also reading um, Predictably Irrational, which is a very famous Dan Ariely um, book. You can, um, if you watch his TED Talk, it's basically a one, a short summary of chapter one of the book, which is um, one of the most interesting. Hmm. For um, So definitely would recommend that as a resource.
0: So yeah. Yeah. So um, here's another book. For parents, well, actually, before I give you the book, again, hear the wisdom that just came out of this young man's uh, mouth. He just pointed out that the entire syllabus for thousands and thousands of courses are online right now. And instead of spending $2,000 per credit hour (laughs) at uh, NYU uh, or $1,000 per credit hour at you know, most uh, private or even public mm-hmm. schools, um, you can actually find that uh, that uh, that syllabus, material. order the material and study it, right? Which is, yeah. again, the difference between my education coming up, Philip, and yours. In my education, mm-hmm. I could not, it would have taken me weeks to find a Absolutely. syllabus at a university, uh, and it's probably outdated once I found it. Uh, and then it would take me another weeks to find the materials right now it takes you a few minutes and so for this for the young person or the family that is curious that is now leaning into their learning and not thinking about school but thinking about learning they now have these incredible opportunities available to them and so I, I love it this to me is like the future of learning this is what I'm advocating for every single day we don't need to wait for the high dollar, you know, public, private college, university, yeah. K twelve, whatever. We don't need to wait anymore. We can go ahead and learn at the speed that works for us. Now can I Philip, can you imagine for a moment if you sure. were in a traditional educational model where you had seven and a half hours of of your day booked every day, plus two and a half hours of mm-hmm. time in the evening booked with homework. Uh, yep. how, how that would frustrate you <laughs> given what you know now? <laughs>
1: oh man. I, yeah, I think, uh, and you know, it's hard for me to conceptualize the high school experience since that is, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I didn't participate in as much, but I can't, honestly, I can't imagine, um, just with what I think would be frustrating to me because I don't consider myself to be, um, you know, top tier uh, intelligence and fluid intelligence specifically like crystallized. I think I consider myself to be well educated and that's a privilege that I've had um, that has been bestowed on me by my parents mm. but um, you know I feel like pe- high schoolers are doing a lot of the work like they're putting in a lot of the time and even though they're giving the time commitment the quality of the education that they're um, and like their efforts it doesn't matter if they're give, you know, giving their 100% if you know the material that they're learning isn't um the high enough caliber and so especially you know i felt like you know one of the hugest things is that with my experience was that you know i got college credit which gives me a backfall and i don't think you know learning wise that shouldn't be the goal the goal is should be to learn yeah however um you know giving that you know that cushion um also gives you time in at the university level where you can guarantee you know a certain level of learning that gives you more time yeah um to fall back on,
0: so yeah, yeah, it's it yes, time and resources, right? Again, um, I just two things we interviewed a, a young man uh, on Monday who did not step well, he went to uh, to regular public school until second grade, was frustrated, Mom allowed him to leave, came back in eighth grade for like a week or a month or something short. And then left again, and never stepped foot in a school again. Okay. He was really interested in in, uh, in acting, and okay. went super deep in acting. Okay. You know, traveled, had all you know, did I think a hundred um, tryouts? That's not the term. Um, auditions. Audition. Thank you. Hundred auditions.
1: Wow. That's insane.
0: Before he got his first one, but then he actually ended up getting gigs. But um, that same kid is going to be going to Harvard this upcoming fall. Right. And so nobody would go. How is how did he not go in school? How did he not take all these courses? And he went to heart. How does that work? It's the same way with you, Philip. You followed a different pathway and the pathway uh, caused you to learn stuff that you're interested in, caused you, gave you the freedom to explore things of of interest and passion for yourself. It also gave you 70 or 65 hours of of college credit. Um, Yeah and six years ahead of where your peers would likely be. And so anyway, these are the things that just make me really excited to hear your story. Um, And so I'm super excited as now you are studying behavioral economics and you're studying uh, um, um, uh, magic, magic. thank you. I'm just so excited now. Uh, you're 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 studying both of these and you're merging them. And I would be willing to bet you money. That there is a professor somewhere in the country that right now would go, mm-hmm. I want to talk to this kid. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say kid. This young man. You're good. No, sure. absolutely. <laughs> I knew you when you were a kid. You're no longer a kid, um, but I want to talk to this young man because he's bringing a, per- a perspective that is highly unusual, very unique. And and uh, again, that's what universities are looking for. That's what faculty members are looking for. That's Thank what you. businesses are looking for. People who have a variety of skill sets. And uh, and and I think you're just a, It's a. It's incredible to see where this is going to lead with you, brother. And I'm just oh excited gosh. for you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you
1: so much, Mr. Barnes. Yeah. It means a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, so let's go ahead and close it up. Then this has been a great conversation. Sure. Again, for the parents listening, this is the type of thing that's possible. Again in those early years foundations matter you got to have a good foundation but as the child is moving through the the early or the middle school years and early teen years that child is capable of so much more philip said by himself he doesn't consider himself to be kind of the top echelon of intelligence this is not an intelligence issue this is a time issue and a practice issue and he's had the time he's had the interest and he's been able to practice so, Philip, thank you for being on the education game. I really Funny. hope that some parents will hear this and go, maybe I'm going to try something different for my kid uh, so that they don't yeah. have to to struggle through some of the dynamics that uh, that have come to become that have come to be, we've come to believe are normal uh, things for a young person to go through. It's not what you're describing to yeah. me is going to become much more normal in the future. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. And uh, look forward to hearing more about your journey in the future. We'll have you back on again. Okay?
1: Thank you, Mr. Barnes.
0: All right, buddy. Take care of yourself.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: So very cool, very cool conversation. So, you know, Philip, he is, he's special because he had opportunities that most kids don't have. Most young people don't have. But he's not special, as you said, in his raw intellectual power. But he was given such freedom, he was able to unleash what is inside of him. And that's what I think every parent wants for their kids. That's certainly what I want for my kids. So this is The Education Game. Thanks for joining us. Uh, More to come uh, around how we can rethink education and make sure your child wins this game we call education. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening, parents. I hope that this was useful that it started to give you a bit more of an indication of how learning is shifting and, and the things that you as a parent need to be upskilled about. That's what we're about here in The Education Game. So we're thankful that you were here. Again, hopefully it was, list- it was helpful to you. Remember, you can call us to ask us questions free of charge about your family and your child's educational plan and learning journey. Uh, go to our website at theeducationgame.com slash contact click on the button there and schedule a time for us to have a conversation free of charge, completely free of charge. And it's just a service that we provide. It's underwritten by supporters. So thank you for those supporters as well. Hope this was helpful. Looking forward to seeing you next time on the Education Game Podcast. Take care.